Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to The Helmet. I am Chad Parsons. Got Tim Torch here in the co-host saddle, and we are kicking off draft season. We're kicking off rookie season, rookie evaluation season, as well as knee-deep into the NFL playoffs. So we're going to hit on a little bit of all of that in this episode. As always, you can find Tim on Twitter at It's Tim Torch. And we're going to start out with divisional round. We each are going to come with a takeaway. Could be a team, could be a player, could just be a situation that we're monitoring or we have a strong buy-sell take for the offseason, Tim. So uh, coming out of this, uh, frankly, a lot of people view it as the best week weekend of games of the season. Such high stakes. We had some good matchups as well. What kind of came out uh, for you from the Dynasty lens this week? This may come across as someone who's living in the moment, and that's not how I like to do things. But the biggest thing I'm I'm really took away from this past weekend is that if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, they are winning hmm. kind they they are winning in spite of Brock Purdy. And I, I don't mean that it, it sounds negative to Brock Purdy, but how Shanahan just has like that that team is so loaded with Debo Samuel, Brandon IU, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle. Um, and that's just on the offensive side. Uh, Trent Williams is an incredible left tackle. And then when you actually, when you look at their defense, the fact that they were able to trade what was essentially like a compensatory pick and get Chase Young. And then, uh, and then those linebackers, I mean, Greenlaw, Fred Warner, it just, just all of it, it they come in waves in just every direction. I it's really where all of the other positions are lifting Brock Purdy and it's even made made me like rethink like I I remember when we were uh when we were kind of having that Sam Darnold conversation at the beginning of the season I almost wonder if that was Kyle Shanahan kind of looking at it like I wonder what happens when this level of physical talent, like, like we all know, like what's between the ears for Sam Darnold, but what, what happens when this level of physical talent is put in here? And it's just so intriguing to look at. Like Brock Purdy is between the ears, like the guy, but you definitely saw the limitations, especially in um, wet weather. Uh, God forbid they, they had to be the team like I, I know it's a different conference, but that was going to like Buffalo or or to Kansas City last week. Uh yeah, it's it's really interesting to think about, but you can squint your eyes and understand just a little bit more why he was trying to get a Trey Lance, why he was trying to get someone with that type of upside, and where the but what do they call it? Like a, a governor, like that really limits like the cap that's on an offense. Uh, Brock, Brock Purdy is the governor of this offense. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you feel about something in the mid teens dynasty wise? Like, do you think that's fair? Do you think there's that, oh, that's, risk oh, risk sir. that, I mean, in a, in a year that he could be in the twenties, like, where do you think, where do you think he's trending? Like he's not really, 
it doesn't sound like you're pointing to him as an a real dynasty upside play because I mean we saw his level of production this year and yet I mean it's not like the market's going to move that much. Yeah, it, it's not it's not going to shift and and I hope everyone's not not hearing this and saying that he's just going to fade off into the ether or anything like that. I'm really looking at him and saying it, it's kind of what is how much how much further how much more upside is it because it's I, I don't think it can get much better than what it is right now. We've we've really seen like a string of really good luck with Christian McCaffrey and, and all of the like all of those surrounding pieces that I just mentioned. So what happens if some of those things start to fade? Um, right. Yeah, I, I I think that mid-teens is like a really good safe space to be right now. And like we talk about so often, he feels like a player, if you could tag him, uh, take him and add something to get to a preferred option. That's really what I would like to say. I, I do want to add one more smaller one that just because I, I want to make sure to get this out there. And I, I don't mean this to be spicy. I think where the dynasty marketplace has uh, CJ Stroud and where the dynasty marketplace has Jordan love, those spots mm. should be flipped. Okay. Meaning love of what in the, Meaning ish reigns and yeah. and and uh, uh, yeah, more mean, in the five those, range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meaning, meaning people who are willing to put like Stroud up there with the with the Justin Herberts and the Mahomes and the and the Allens and those type of players. That's that's where Jordan Love should be, and then C.J. Stroud should be moved back in, into that latter part of the first round. Yeah, it's really interesting on certain players, and it feels like Jordan Love. They're very the market is very slow to move him, and yet Stroud, they were instant quick uh, to move him. And I there's a lot of arguments, and again, I have I have Love higher, so I mean it aligns with the with their actual ranking posted. But I think there's a really good argument to say Jordan Love's profile is superior uh, to C.J. Stroud um, at this point in time. Uh, in a number of ways, um, and especially if you're looking at just raw who threw more interceptions, you know, and you're you're looking at some basic counting things as opposed to how are they actually playing a little more deeply. I, I think that's where the divide is between those two guys. Um, yeah, I, I think Brock Purdy is a really interesting player because he's the type that I don't know if you're going to feel really good every off season, and I don't know what it takes. It's going to be fascinating if they win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's going to really up the stakes on what do you think. And then NFL versus NFL outcome versus maybe fantasy security. Um, so I, that's why I think, you know, and, and everything's locked in, but they got to pay Brandon Ayuk coming up. They've already got some big contracts. And I just, it's probably not going to come due until 2025 or something like that, unless a Kirk Cousins is available and they can make the numbers work. Or I, I again, I think they don't have a lot of avenues to really stressing Brock Purdy on that depth chart for now. And he would need plenty of more data points, and if that's rain games or whatever, um, of he is the problem and they don't win for it to actually become much of an issue. So who knows? I, it just, I know the lack of pedigree and then the fact that he doesn't have a, 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 a bazooka arm. And there's, there's three or four factors here that are working against him to always be skeptical. Um, but it feels like you can't drop him like I have him in the mid teens. The market pretty much has him in the mid teens. They'll probably drop him, you know, two, three spots with rookies as we get, you know, another month down the line. But I mean, if he keeps this job and I, I mean, if he's the starter next year, 
he was a mid QB one this year, and you wouldn't expect even if there's a few ancillary drop off elements of of just natural, you know, touchdown rate, interception rate, maybe things like that. He's not really going to fall that far. Like he's still a really good bet to be top ten or twelve next year at a minimum, and possibly just doing what he did this year, even amidst all these concerns, which is kind of wild. Um, my takeaway uh, for the divisional round is Nico Collins. Uh, that not a lot was going right for Houston. Um, and this season has been a whirlwind of overachieving expectations going into it, whether it's CJ Stroud, whether it's Nico Collins, whether it's Tank Dell. Um, and Nico Collins, uh, again, not much else going on there. 39% of the team yards, about 3.11 yards per route run on the season. He's a st- attached to Stroud. Uh, I don't know why that. And again, maybe it's because he's not 22 years old and he didn't go in the first round of the NFL draft. Just trying to come up with reasons. But I don't know why he's in the wide receiver 20 range and he's not closer to wide receiver 10. So I I think it's a pretty big divide there. Uh, And I just picked him up. uh, I made a trade today that it's a one quarterback league and I traded 108 for Nico Collins because, uh, again, without quarterbacks mixing in there, and you may get a look at a round one wide receiver, but you're talking about an incoming, unknown, who knows what's going to happen round one wide receiver at 108. Um, that you know, you figure in that format, if a running back goes somewhere super interesting on day two, they'll probably go higher than that. And just in general, I mean, you get a wide receiver that you trust attached to a strong offense. And I think Houston needs to focus on running back. They need to focus on tight end if they don't bring Dalton, uh, Dalton Schultz back. I don't think splashing with a high, high level wide receiver profile that's truly going to scare Nico Collins or Tank Bell is in the cards this year. I, I think if they add something, it's going to be like, well, we want to get what we thought we were going to get out of Robert Woods, you know, I, or it's a higher level tight end prospect or or free agent or whatever. Like, I don't think they're going to splash and say, we need to move Nico Collins down to wide receiver two and Tank Bell to wide receiver three. I don't think that will be their takeaway or action plan in the offseason. So I feel like he's pretty stable from that regard. And you can't fake a high-volume three-yard-per-outrun season. It just doesn't happen. So Nico Collins, if you want to quibble and say, well, he's 25, ugh, you know, I'd rather have someone younger. Okay, but he's in his prime window to kind of keep doing this. And he was progressing in this direction. He finally got the quarterback infusion. And here he is. Uh, here he is, you know, someone that should be considered in the top 10 to 15 of the position. Because I guess I would ask, who are you putting over them? Because the answer by the market is another 8, 10, 12 guys, uh, which I find kind of baffling. That's a great one. I, I do really agree with that with Nico Collins. And and you mentioned the idea of splash, splashing the pot with, uh, with some type of wide receiver that could shift the target distribution around a little bit. And, and I do agree with you, like, they're looking more for a number three than like a really solid number two or, or even possibly like a big name, big, big name, like possibly trying to get a hold of T Higgins or, um, or Mike Evans or something like that. And I, I guess the other thing to keep in mind is like, if you're thinking that they could bring something in through the draft, that's, that's limited too, because we, we hand, I, I was hand wringing about it last year. The reason I, I thought the trade for Willie Anderson was so controversial was how high that pick could be. <laughs> but I mean, they're, they're, they're out of the first round. That's no matter what they, 
well, they're out of the first round with their pick and the Browns isn't the Browns pick that they have isn't that early either. So yeah, I offensive linemen, defensive linemen, uh, uh, specifically edge. Now that, uh, I think it's Gennard is, uh, is a free agent. There's so many other places and, it's, and they have a defensive head coach like that. That usually does influence things to some extent. So yeah, I, I don't see them just going at it and saying, <clears throat> I'm going to bring in, uh, I'm going to bring in that top level wide receiver, whether it's for through free agency or, or the first round of the draft. I do think, you know, I, I mentioned the trade I made, and I do think I, I would highlight two things. Number one, the divide between super flex and one quarterback formats, because it really mm, does, especially this sure. year, it's going to take out a lot of ammo um, in the first round that you would be considering. And then the other aspect is, I mean, it's a wide receiver centric draft. So ask yourself, because you can look at it as Nico Collins versus incoming rookie wide receiver X, Y, or Z. Um, and you can at least have a, a pedigree range or expectation with that pick. So I find it interesting that people are willing to move off of Nico Collins for, say, a later first when you're hoping to reset and, I guess, get a 22-year-old that you don't even know if they can play. Uh, so yep. that's a, And it's not that his situation is poor or anything like that. So, uh, again, I find that interesting. And he feels like, especially a wide receiver, one of the bigger divides, uh, at least starting out with what his cost is versus the, the profile building he just had in 2023. Uh, so it is rookie season. Uh, so let's start out. We're going to have uh, an overrated and underrated uh, rookie profile, just things that we're hearing in the market uh, or what we kind of expect to happen during this process and and a player each that stands out. So who do you think is overrated um, by what they've done so far, what what you're kind of hearing for where they maybe could go in the NFL draft or dynasty circles, et cetera? I, I, we usually say like, Go go for the low hanging fruit at quarterback and super flex drafts because that usually does end up paying dividends. But for me, this year I think the low hanging fruit that people think it's going to be is Jaden Daniels, and I still have questions. Like I I do think he has the arm. I do think he has some uh some quality mobility to him. But that frame for me is a little too slight. I'm curious, kind of as the measurements start rolling in with the different, uh, with combine and in different ways, uh, different pro days and things like that. We we start to get a little bit more of the data points coming in. Uh, he's he's one I'm particularly paying attention to because I think a lot of people want to sit here and say, yeah, he he can come in and and be productive and I. I I also think people are going to start making the sloppy comparisons of since this guy's mobile and mm -hmm. since we're seeing Lamar Jackson in the playoffs right now, people are going to say, oh, Lamar can do this. So maybe Jaden Daniels can come in and be like 95% of what Lamar Jackson is. And that's definitely not like a one for one type of uh, type of transition. Uh, so, yeah, he he's one I'm I'm looking at and I'm like, boy, I can I can feel people putting it on him already like. Oh, the rushing upside, uh, he's going to give you plenty. Uh, he's going to give you the Konami code and everything else. So he's one I'm just kind of looking at and saying, boy, uh, I, I think the marketplace is just off on him already. And I could see it going even crazier, especially in the super flex landscape. He's one that obviously the rushing upside is so alluring in today's environment of I mean, if you uh, NFL teams are more willing than ever to let guys like that loose, they're not trying to train them to be 
to be pocket uh, pocket robots. And and Daniels definitely has that upside. I do remember talking about him as a Debbie guy. You know, maybe two plus years ago, he's been in college for a while. And so it was the he checks a lot of boxes. And the thing was, like, he was listed at was it like one eighties, one ninety? Like he was yeah. tragically thin. And then this year, I see he's listed at like two ten. So <laughs> I believe that one when I see it. Um, and and we will see there. But uh, obviously, that's going to be a key number for him. And I don't think as long as it starts with a two, he's okay because six two, six three, six four, he's going to be stretched out. So it looks a lot different, you know, two hundred five pounds at six three than if he were you know, six foot, you know, like the BMI, the thickness aspect, which is, which is what you're looking for. So I think that that is interesting. And the other thing I would mention with Jaden Daniels, and this, I mean, this probably goes into it a little bit because you mentioned, Hey, just durability, but surviving the pocket this 25% pressure to sack rate is the highest of the class. And that's the big concerning number you saw with guys like Will Levis last year was in that range. Sam Howell uh, before that, Malik Davis, Malik Davis, uh, Malik Willis. That uh, when you're up in the mid twenties like that, uh, the managing the pocket, the avoiding negative plays, the he's going to be a boomer, but like he's going to drop back, he's going to make some dazzling scrambles, but then also some baffling sacks of like, what are you doing? Let the ball out, read it through, and I wonder. You kind of get Justin Fields sort of vibes of like the highs and lows of what you see <laughs> every drive yes. or on, like if you just see the yeah. three highlights of the game on Sports Center and it's like, oh, the Bears had this comeback, you know, Bears had this comeback. They almost won. And, but then like we, we're going to get through this whole thing with Justin Fields and I don't know if the questions go away. And because of the rushing, because of other aspects, I mean, just overt speed and, you know, I, Daniels is going to be a lot smaller, but I mean, He's going to work out like by all expectations. He's going to work out really well uh, for for his speed and all those things. I just that like someone having Justin Fields a year or two ago at QB six or seven in Dynasty, like it's risky, and it feels like Jaden Daniels is kind of of that ilk. Like, are you are you down on him enough that he wouldn't even be in your top three quarterbacks? Like, do you like Penix more or, or McCarthy or Knicks or? Somebody else, like, are you that low, or is it more like a hey? Some people are pushing him to QB one or two, and I think that's the mistake. Yeah, I I do think that's the the latter was the mistake the um the putting him at QB one or two that that's the real issue I would have. Um, okay. May and Williams are, I think those are the hey the that that's where you want to be. I I will say I I am intrigued. By JJ McCarthy, I I do have like plenty of questions. Like Bo Nix, like you guys have been in school forever. I I really want to see like that draft capital. Like, can he get into the first round? Is that possible for? I think he's going to be twenty twenty four as he uh, as we're going through the process. Uh, Michael Penix, I mean, he's he'll be twenty four in, in May, so another older guy dealt with a ton of injuries and. He, I think people are going to put like the CJ Stroud stuff on him, and because of the because of not rushing very much, but they're going to say, oh, he can rush, and I don't necessarily feel like that's that's an answer for him either. I think for Daniels, it's going to be interesting for us because it almost it feels like the Falcons at eight are his floor, like his floor landing right. spot. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's talk it might be quarterback oh, one, two, three, and so that, excited, and then yeah, so so that's the divide of like. 
I mean, he could go to Tennessee at seven, the Falcons at eight. Again, he's not going to get out of the top 10, period. Now, he may not go three. We'll see about that with the Patriots. Uh, I, I guess the Giants would be the other one at six, unless there's a trade. Uh, but that sort of zone is where we're looking. Um, and we have mobile quarterback. Uh, you have a guy that's going to test well. And going to, a you know, obviously a top 10 uh, situation. Atlanta would have good pieces around him. Tennessee, not as much. Uh, the Giants, you know, he might have to. Well, actually, might the Giants might be the spot that tempers him the most. Like if you were to go, and it's like, well, Daniel Jones is going to be the starter this year. Daniel, uh, Jane Dan- Daniels is going to be, you know, someone that we groom a little bit and maybe move on to uh, as we go along. Obviously, you know, next in waiting, that might be the only thing that keeps the restrictor plates on his initial cost. Is if he goes to the Giants or a place where you can actually see him sitting a little bit. Um, I'm going to go with uh, low-hanging fruit as well, like you mentioned uh, with yours. I'm going to go with Caleb Williams. And this is not saying Caleb Williams is horrible, uh, but what it is saying is I don't get this. He's um, he's the oracle, and he is a true game-changer. He should be in his own tier. Uh, he's the 101 at like whatever the betting odds are, are, minus 850 or some crazy number and let's just stop this conversation like it's checks watch january and first of all i don't believe that their collegiate profiles are a cut and uh you know a cut and dry and then to say that he's gonna be everybody's cup of tea i just don't buy it like when you have a a drake may type player that i mean drake may feels a lot like justin herbert that people are banging him down because he didn't finish on the highest of high notes that his best season was not his final season, but still, you look at all the feeder data. Like he's like six five, two twenty, great arm, and yeah. can make big time difficult plays from the pocket. And he has a ninety nine percent passing score. He has a higher rushing score. He's younger. Uh, younger his turn, right? his big time throw ratio is outstanding. Like you look at all these factors, and you're going to sit here and say, no questions, Your Honor, and say Caleb Williams QB one. That's baffling to me. And here's the other thing. Like, I don't know where it's going to settle, like on Fantasy Calc or some of these other, you know, once we get Caleb Williams into the, as opposed to the 101 rookie pick, I know that we can use that as a proxy, but I don't get how today's state of of dynasty quarterbacks, and we've got a lot of good options that you're going to sit there and put Caleb Williams over some of them. Um, I think that's a mistake. So within the rookie class, I think he's overrated. Within the dynasty perspective, I think he's also overrated because I don't think fantasy-wise it's a, it's a good idea, at least on how things are probably going to go at least this year and change what... I mean, right now, you could, you could trade Caleb Williams for Anthony Richardson Plus, I would imagine. And what are the odds that, you know, fantasy-wise, Caleb Williams over Anthony Richardson this season? Pretty low, right? Yeah. So if yeah. you see that that's where it's going... I mean, Richardson is going to give you a lot more outs in October or November, most likely, than Caleb Williams. And look what C.J. Stroud just did. You're going to have Caleb Williams over him. Okay, careful with that. Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Jordan Love. Jordan Love is probably the most like challenging one because we just mentioned that. Of like, hey, many people are slow on Jordan Love. Okay, and they would rather have Caleb Williams. But you can get Jordan Love plus. So you don't even have to worry about the like it's a straight up bet. It's not a straight up bet. Like you have odds in your favor. Uh, and, and again, this is not to say right now you should trade one-on-one for Gordon Love. I think you can extract more. I don't think that deal is going away. I don't think that uh, you could play softball. You know, you might be able to get a 25 first and Jordan Love. 
for 101. So make sure you leverage it. But I just think Caleb Williams way up here and crew like uh, there's no risk here and he's just going to be a game changer and he's the 101. Like, let's just get to late April now. I think all of that is the overrated part. Yep. Uh, what about an underrated guy? You know, who kind of stands out for you as not getting enough love and uh, you'll, you'll hmm. almost like the movie Elf, you're going to shout it from the rooftops and I don't care. I love you. Yeah. Uh, again, um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna probably all both be mentioning some higher profile names, but I I I don't really understand why Malik Neighbors is the uh, is the middle child or the stepchild <laughs> to uh, to the gold standard of Marvin Harrison Jr. I I'm not a hundred percent sure I anyone's spelled out anything that I completely just feel like they're making a great, uh, a great case for it. Uh, Malik, gosh, I even read like coming into the 2024 season, like Malik neighbors will be 20.7 years old. Uh, I mean, just, just a baby. Um, the, the reason you're, you're seeing like video game numbers from a Jaden Daniels is because, Malik neighbors was just on another level. I'm, I, I will be the first one to tell you, I'm not like the biggest film scout. I, I, I can't tell you like what the sharpest route looks like or, or anything like that. But when you see explosion, when you see someone just pulling away from sec competition, the way he does every time he's playing, it, he's just one of those slam dunk players. And I, I, Again, I just don't understand why he's uh, taking the backseat to Marvin Harrison Jr. And I don't know if it's the name. I mean, people just, it's kind of like a fraternity or sorority where you kind of have those legacies coming in and people just want to, just want that great story on, and not that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a bust or anything like that, but uh, yeah, I I just, I, I'm not trying to school uh, position scout or anything like that because of LSU and wide receivers. But yeah, Malik neighbors is just someone that the more I read, the more I see, the more I think about, uh, it just feels like if you can get up to whatever spot he is available. So if you're in a super flex draft, if you can get to four five, six, somewhere in there and he's still sitting there, that's such an auto pick where, uh, I feel like you'd just be cashing in for a long time. Yeah, it almost feels like you remember last year when uh, we would have Jameer Gibbs falling a, a good amount. Um, yeah, different yeah. position. I that's get great, all that, but great, like, great but example. it was like, okay, we got quarterbacks up there, and there were like some uh, auto stamp names, and Jameer Gibbs was a lot of times falling to four. I remember five. I think was actually the sweet yeah. spot there, just because of we've got a log jam, we've got a traffic jam of names, and it feels like Malik Neighbors. If you make the assumption that at least two quarterbacks, maybe three go ahead of them and then you've got marvin harrison jr you're looking at five with neighbors and then it's possible another wide receiver goes ahead of them maybe not super likely if it's tight end premium you put brock bowers up there so it could be five it could be six it could be a rogue seven you know i mean i don't know some magical running back landing spot i'm not sure but whoever if someone goes to dallas you know that we're actually someone of import and maybe it's in the second round i can see that so uh, yeah, neighbors to me is it's the same sort of argument with Caleb Williams. It's like, so why is Marvin Harrison the assumptive? Like, okay, let's just stop the conversation. He's there, and like, there's, there's no analysis needed. 
I wonder if his name is Marvin Marvin Williams. Like, are we yeah. having the same conversation? I mean, Ohio State, that moniker helps, but LSU is pretty much a wide receiver factory. Like, I don't know why that's not important here. SEC, you know, it's what is it where uh, is it where football lives? Where what's the tagline? Where something lives? I can't remember. Um, but <laughs> but basically, I mean, this is the pinnacle of what you want. And Malik Neighbors, like you mentioned, he has that like pull away. Oh, like this is a different level uh, type of movement to his game. Hyper young, um, and and he, what he does, eluding defenders, his missed tackle rate is elite, and he really has vibes of like DJ Moore to me, and yeah. that might be viewed. I, I think some people view that as a negative phrase, but DJ Moore has pretty much been a lock stock fantasy starter every year of his career, and he's been doing it with crappy quarterbacks. I mean, so you almost have to picture a world and of like we don't know like if you knew dj moore was going to have a random quarterback what would you think of him as opposed to stuck in carolina with concerns there then it's like oh he's going to the to the bears this could actually be good news keep in mind what yeah. you just said i mean just feels is good news for for dj moore so it speaks to a really high floor and it speaks to a guy that's thick uh after the catch maven and all those things and yeah, I, I'm with you that, I mean, if anything, they're the same tier. And I think there's some legitimate arguments that Neighbors is ahead of Marvin Harrison. Now, I think it's probably not high odds that he goes ahead of him in the draft. But I, I'm extending on this just because the league, we didn't even share notes, you know, by the water fountain uh, between Home Ec and PE. And we had the same, Malik Neighbors was my same guy. You know, that, I mean, you're talking about a top 10 likely pick at ideally young age. His comps are out of control. Like, when you look at the, when you control for just those two elements... Um, it's pretty crazy. And um, with his ability, like I said, to play all over the place, he's played in the slot a good amount. He played outside. Um, you can find it. Uh, I did a standalone show and you can find some of the written bullet points as well on UTH Dynasty for a lot of these. Her Marvin Harrison's already up. Malik Neighbors is already up. And uh, again, you're going to see that streaming out. I'm going to start with wide receivers, do you know five to 10 of them. And then we'll kind of shift over to some other profiles as we get through pre-combine, post-combine, et cetera. Um, Tim, uh, what do you think is something that should be on dynasty, uh, owners kind of lists, uh, right now in terms of, are you in January sort of in, Hey, I'm just going to enjoy the NFL playoffs, take a pause button, refresh a little bit. I'm not going to be sitting there micromanaging my teams. Is it more, I'm going to look back maybe at trades you've done or kind of how seasons went now that there's less emotion in it. You're not in the playoffs and things like that. Um, or are you knee deep in sending out offers and things like that? Kind of where do you sit on the the spectrum as a, as a, a dynasty mindset right now, this time of year? Yeah. Something I'm going to start doing. Uh, I've heard you mention it before and it, it was actually, I, I nerd out over like GM press conferences and stuff like that too. Um, and I heard, I was just surprised when I heard it. Uh, Andrew Berry, the general manager from the Browns, actually referenced a transaction journal that he keeps and reviews with uh, with his staff every year. And they just go through it regularly to see what what are hits, what are misses, things that um, things that they did well, areas where they won. Um, I'm actually going to go back through my leagues and and um, jot down the transactions that I made in 2023 to see where uh, where I definitely won. Um, and I'm de I'm definitely going to sort it by league too um, to see if maybe there's something I can 
I can take advantage of moving forward that I saw was kind of an area um, just to just to make it a point moving forward, whether it's like acquiring veterans or rookie picks, or I saw a little uh, a little less activity out of this area in certain spots. So I may need to pay attention come the rookie draft. Um, so I, I definitely want to key in on that a little bit more on my transaction history and um, what some of my tendencies are and what my league tendencies are. No, that's excellent. Yeah, I think the one thing I'm going to do or add, uh, because I, I think sending offers this time of year, if you want to go big hit fish hunting, for sure, go ahead. But um, I think that you need to, uh, like you said, kind of look and self-scout. And I think the the one thing that, I, uh, uh, that I'm going to do is add, so I've always been curious, like in addition to, you know, am I selling something or am I buying something? Am I giving picks? Am I getting picks? Like it's basic stuff, but I do think it would be pretty easy for me to go back. And I also want to look at uh, positional trades, you know, like how do I do if I can filter for, you know, selling quarterbacks and super flex or buying quarterbacks and super flex? Uh, what happens when I'm making, you know, same position trades? What happens when I'm making, you know, running back for wide receiver and vice versa. I want to see if there's any, you know, two or three year trend lines for that because I've already eradicated some bad habits I had years ago and, you know, focusing more on the things that I'm more successful with. Um, but I think the the positional, I have assumptions and I have hypotheses, but I don't have the data to actually know if that's true. And what we know is that means it's dangerous. You know, if you make an assumption, be like, I'm good at this, I'm bad at this. Like you may just, you be uh, selectively remembering some things that are pushing you in that direction and making it an overarching uh, assumption. So I, I just, that's something that I do want to take, you know, it might take me an, uh, an hour to go through and kind of earmark everything. And then I can start doing some filtering. And so that's definitely on my list uh, here in January before we go knee deep, you know, into 2024 and beyond of just kind of like, Oh, off season business as usual. Uh, so yeah, I think that that angle, those types of angles are, are very important too. Uh, even if you only come up with one thing to say, hey, less of this, hey, a little more of this, uh, that kind of guides you in in that direction. And you can obviously test it as you go forward with that eye in mind. As mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, you can find Tim on Twitter at It's Tim Torch for uh, feedback, questions, comments, and again, build a relationship with him because uh, he's a busy man. He does a lot of draft cons consultation when you get to July, August. Um, and again, uh, you're going to want to build that relationship with them early on. If you need help with a dynasty startup draft, maybe your your high stakes uh, office league for redraft, all those types of situations there um, as you go forward in the off season. I am Chad Parsons. And as always, never settle, refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties.